0: Welcome to the first episode of Matter of Mind, a podcast all about change and how making positive change in our lives, big or small, can really help us to feel happier and healthier and take better care of ourselves with those changes that we make. My name's Emily and I'm a personal development coach and a content producer. And this podcast is something I've wanted to make for years. I've wanted to bring together my drive for helping people, my love for content making and my joy to connect and converse with other people. As a coach, it's my job to ask questions. It's my job to have conversations and to help people I work with gain insight and gain clarity in their own life. So this podcast is aimed at helping you do that. It's aimed at helping you to feel inspired and feel motivated to start prioritizing your well-being. It's aimed to help you find the courage, the confidence, and the calm that you might need in your life so you can make some changes, big or small. And I'll be helping you to do that by talking to a whole range of people who have made changes in their own lives for the better, And it can be any change. It could be career change, habit change, behavior change, location change. The list goes on. And I'll be asking them all about the ups and the downs and what happened along the way of making those changes in their life and what they did to stay well and also how they got through difficult times and what they continue to do now to prioritize themselves and their well-being. Each episode will start with me sharing matters of my mind, the thoughts, insights that I'm having that month, and then we'll dive into a conversation with someone else. I'll be asking each guest to tell me their story of change, but I'll also be asking them to bring with them a first aid kit. This will include three things, one song, one book, and one podcast that has had an instrumental impact on their journey and their life. I really want this podcast to be open, honest, and celebrate imperfection. I want it to be a real reflection on what making change in your life can look like and what it can feel like. So let's start as we mean to go on with some honesty. So it's taken me such a long time to sit and record this podcast because like so many of us, When we want to do something, we want it to be perfect. We want it to be planned. We want to feel prepared. And we don't want to look stupid. And we question ourselves. And we then maybe play it safe. We might avoid doing things that will help us grow, help us learn. And things that might actually help somebody else. So here I am, admitting that I'm ready to be honest, imperfect, and open. So I'm starting, and I hope by just starting, that can even inspire you today. No more questioning, no more overthinking, because I know doing this podcast is going to help me grow, it's going to help me learn, and it's going to help me feel better. And most importantly, it's going to help you. So I couldn't do a podcast all about this without actually bringing myself into the show. So the first guest is me and my journey of change. So making change is really hard. I know because I've made so many changes in my own life already at the age of 30. And back in 2016, I realized what I had going on in my life wasn't what I wanted. And that was a really scary situation to be in especially when you've ticked all the success boxes, success in quotation marks. I had a great job, a great relationship, a lovely place to live. I had a path to success in society's eyes. But on the inside, I felt anxious. I felt exhausted. I felt unhappy. Emotions at the time I probably couldn't really interpret back then or label as well as I can now. I didn't really know how to manage my emotions or regulate them. I didn't really know how to deal with stress properly or communicate how I was feeling to those who mattered the most. I just didn't have the tools to cope with what was going on at the time. I wasn't really putting myself first or even thinking about my well-being. You know, most days were okay, but it got to the point where work was becoming really stressful. It had become overwhelming and it just wasn't fun anymore. And I think at the time my body knew this before my mind did. I could feel something wasn't quite right and I felt stuck. And when we're overly stressed in life, this is often how we feel. We can't really think clearly. And I just didn't know where to begin, really. But during this time, someone really close to me asked, well, do you have to carry on if it's making you unhappy? And I didn't answer this question straight away because obviously making any changes was not going to be easy. I had a great relationship, or so I thought. I had a great job, even though now it was suddenly overwhelming. And I had a quote, quote, nice life. I I never thought that I'd want to change any of that. Being asked this question, do you want to kind of carry on with what you've got, is scary. You know, you've gone through life so far thinking you've made some good choices. And here I was thinking, hmm, can I give up? Would that make me look like a failure? And it comes back to this idea of being perfect that I talked about before, of not wanting to look like a failure, of not wanting to disturb the status quo at work and at home, and not wanting to upset anyone else. I don't know if you can hear it as I say this, but I wasn't putting myself or my happiness first. And for a while, this question kept playing in my mind. Do you want to carry on then if it's not making you happy? And I began as well to notice that I wasn't happy in other areas of my life. My relationship that had been wonderful, it had helped me to come to terms with my sexuality. And here I was now questioning that as well. I began to notice that I was often trying to keep others happier than myself. And I was asked another important question. What do you want? And of course, I'd thought about that question before, but I was suddenly realizing I'd often thought about others before myself. So after a load of thinking, a load of talking with people that I trust and people that really could see what was going on at the time for me, I decided to end that relationship. It was a really difficult decision to make. And at the time, I know now I wasn't very good at communicating why, why I wasn't happy. And it ended a little bit weirdly and a little bit badly. And soon after that, I decided to leave my job as well. These were the ways that I thought I would cope with not feeling quite right. To leave, to leave my relationship and to leave my job. I knew I needed to just work out now what I wanted. So I decided to move back home. And another reason why I decided to do this was because at the time, my mum was helping to take care of her own mum. My grandma was suffering with dementia and I could see the struggle this was for my own mum. And it was a lot to handle. So there I was, pretty fragile, but I had a purpose. I was going home to help my mum look after hers and to figure out what I really wanted next. So, a lot of change came all at once for me, and change that was needed, but change that was super hard. I had been in a position where I thought that I was set, set for life. But here I was, not really knowing what was next. And it's really important when I talk about these things that I really am aware of my privilege here of making these changes at the time that, yes, were scary on an emotional level but I did have the support of my friends and my family, and I very much am aware so much that not everybody gets to have that privilege and know that they'll be okay if they leave a job or leave a relationship. But here I am just being honest and telling you my story of how I got to where I am now. So what happened next? You might think, well, you've made all these changes, you're doing a good thing with your family, So surely good stuff's coming next. Well, when I wasn't helping my family or freelancing in production at the time, I started going out a lot more. I had all this freedom now, so why not? I ended up drinking too much. I ended up people pleasing. And after a while, I I started seeing someone new as well. And they too ended up not being very good for me. So here I was going out a lot drinking a lot, not really taking proper care of myself and in a situation where, again, I was trying to please someone else more than myself. Of course, I'd made some progress, I'd made changes, but this way of living and acting wasn't the answer. So after another breakup, I was here feeling pretty awful again and I was running on empty and I was probably hiding it pretty well at the time. I hadn't actually spent much time processing what had happened or thinking about what was actually going to make me feel happier. But what was really good during this time was that I had some really supportive friends and they brought into my life a really important book, The Happiness Project. And you might have heard of it and you might roll your eyes going, oh, The Happiness Project. But hear me out. A friend of mine set up a book club. I was a little bit fragile at the time, I obviously could do with a focus so I threw myself into this and I picked up The Happiness Project and I gave it my full attention. So for those of you who don't know, The Happiness Project is a book by Gretchen Rubin and she decided herself to explore what happiness even is. She went on a journey herself over a year to figure out what made her happy and she documents that in the book. She finds out what happiness means from way back when and backs it up with science and theories and basically goes on her own happiness journey and happiness project. So I decided to do this with my friends and for myself and I was working out what happiness was to me as I was reading the book important question that what is happiness to me not anybody else as I had been doing for such a long time which by the way is no fault of theirs it's a really important reflection on me so here I was with the happiness project in hand ready to commit to it and part of the process of this book was yes learning about happiness but learning about your own and writing down commitments to yourself that you will live out and act out as best as possible. In the book, she calls them commandments, but I was more comfortable calling them commitments. So my top three commitments at the time, back in 2016, were be Emily. Get to know who Emily is and be kind to yourself. Wow, reading that now, it's, uh, it's quite nice to read because... At the time, I didn't really feel comfortable being me and I might not have known myself as well as I do now. And I knew at that time I wasn't being very kind to myself. But this was a project, so I could start off a little low down and I could work out what it was going to take to feel like me, to get to know myself more and to be kind to myself. And I'm really grateful to those good friends because over the next year, I went on a journey of really figuring out that stuff. And it would involve me sitting down, setting a really clear intention for each month as I did this happiness project. And I'd sit there and I'd think, what do I want to do this month? What do I want to focus on that's going to make me feel good? That's going to be a bit of an experiment to figure out what will make me feel happy. Another side note, by the way, I'm fully aware that, you know, happiness is not a state we can access 247. But here I was trying to figure out what made me happy. And the key to this was writing stuff down. I'd written diaries in the past, but they were all sort of teenage secret diaries back when I was younger. I hadn't really sat and properly written this stuff down or asked myself these questions and really start, start to dig into the answers. So here I was starting that process. And as the year went on and I was doing this happiness project and asking myself really important questions about what made me happy, I felt more and more like I knew who Emily was. I treated her well because she really needed that. She was a fragile soul at the time. I listened to what she had to say and what she wanted to do. And she wanted to feel happy. She wanted to spend time with her friends and her family, do things that made her feel calm. And finally, you know, do side projects that she'd always put on hold. I was really starting to make progress here on how to feel healthier, how to be happier and prioritise my well-being over pleasing other people. During this time, as well as reading the Happiness Project and talking more to friends and writing this stuff down, I was really immersing myself in, quote, quote, well-being and wellness and personal development and self-help. And I laugh because it is funny sometimes, but I really was immersing myself so much in books, in podcasts, in everything I could get my hands on to figure out what happiness was all about and figure out what I should be asking myself to, to be well and live a life where I was healthy and happy. So along this way of listening to more stuff and reading the self-help books, I discovered another book, another book that was going to change how I thought and how I lived my life. And that was the five minute journal. For anyone who doesn't know about the five minute journal, I'm surprised because if you know me, I talk about it all the time. And this is a journal I still use to this day. And the process goes like this. Each day you get up and you write down what you're grateful for. And I know that's something that so many people in well-being talk about, practicing gratitude, but it is so important to do this. So every morning now I was practicing this. I was writing down what I was grateful for every day. And that was helping to change how I thought. It was helping me to see what good stuff was happening in my life. And it helped me to notice what simple pleasures made me happy, what simple things made me feel healthy. And this was all part of me getting to know myself more, me taking better care of myself, to really take a look at what was going on in my life. And by doing this process of practicing gratitude, I was helping to redirect my attention to the good stuff, to being optimistic about life and about people and about what was going on. This journal was also really powerful because it helps you to write intentions for the day and positive intentions, not just the to-do list or what you've got to do at work. It encourages you to write down intentions that will make your day great, however big or small. And finally, it encourages you to set an affirmation. And at the time, this was really hard for me because an affirmation is a positive statement that you want to embody. So I am enough or I am strong or I am capable. Those kinds of things. And you can choose your own. But at the time, I wasn't really feeling those things. So this book was sometimes a little bit uncomfortable to fill out this practice. But what it did over time was really help me to do the things that were gonna help me feel like I was enough, that were gonna help me feel like I was capable or that I was confident. And this took my kind of discovery of myself to another level because now I could sit down every day and I could write down stuff. And that is so important. That's a huge takeaway that I'll talk about afterwards. But I was here, I was writing down stuff every day about what I was thinking, what I was grateful for, what I wanted to do. And at the end of the day, you came back and you said, what made today great? Again, trying to just build that muscle in your brain of thinking about what stuff is good despite the challenges. And this journal was such a benefit because I was writing down what was making me feel good, what was making me happy, what simple things I was grateful for and what I was setting out to do each day to feel good, to feel happy, to feel healthy. And it helped me to get to know myself more. So every single month I would sit down with this journal alongside my happiness project and I would look at what's making me feel good the most. What am I most grateful for? What did I set out to do this month and did I enjoy it or did I not? Who was around the most? Because I'd always write little notes of who I'd been spending time with. And I'd always kind of... Just check in on where my energy was going and how that was making me feel so that I could then figure out, okay, I'm going to do more of this stuff that's making me feel well and make me feel good. And I'm going to do less of this stuff. And it was helping me to really get to know what was good for Emily at the time. And this wasn't easy while I was doing this exercise. And it sounds like I was just looking at what was working and what wasn't and how to make changes It was still really hard to do this. It took a lot of courage to do this, but I had a new motivation. I wanted to take care of myself. I wanted to feel good. And I saw each month as an experiment to do this. At the time, I was also using one second every day which some of you might know what that is, but you film a second of your day every single day. And I was mashing up months together. So I'd have a video every single month of what had happened, where I'd been, how I'd spent my time. And I used that in this process as well, in this monthly review. And I could literally see when watching it, what was going on in my life. I could see what was frequently coming up. And I could also look at maybe what was missing. So doing all of this stuff just became the norm for me. The writing, the journaling, the self-reflection, asking myself really important questions, alongside consuming all the self-improvement books and the podcasts and the TED Talks. I was just really on a great road with all of this and consuming all of this at the same time. And doing all of this stuff was making me feel so much better. I was basically a personal development nerd. And all of this reflection was raising my awareness to what was working for me and what wasn't. And I was really learning about myself, my loves and my needs. And I was becoming proud of that as well, of being me, which is something that I had done a little bit in the past, but I'd often questioned myself or doubted my ability but here I was getting to know myself and being proud of every bit of myself and all this work led me to make more changes along the way and I'll run through a couple of these big changes that I was making some of them might help you they might inspire you but remember when you listen to the changes I made these were best for me at the time So the first big change I made back then, about four or five years ago, was cutting down on alcohol. I was seeing that I was maybe drinking quite a lot in the early part of my happiness project. And very early on into that process, I decided to stop drinking for a month just to try it, to see if it would make me feel good. I'd often drank in the past to fit in, to look cool And sometimes to know what was going on in my mind. So I cut it out for a month and I absolutely loved it. I felt great every day. I had energy. I felt more positive. I felt healthy. And for me, consuming a lot of alcohol isn't good. Thankfully, now I've got a good relationship with it. I mostly drink alcohol-free drinks. And when I do want an alcoholic drink, it's for enjoyment. And, you know, there's an extra benefit here. I'm a cheap date. So that was a big change that I made for myself. I was no longer thinking about the external validation that I was getting from having a drink or going out. I was checking in with what Emily wanted and Emily wanted to cut down on alcohol and to not just do it to fit in. It led me on to another change. It led me to realise that some of the people I was spending time with weren't right for me. There wasn't necessarily anything wrong with them but I knew I needed to start spending time with people who lifted me up and people I could lift up to. People that were interested to get outdoors, to exercise, to look after their mind and their body and I needed to surround myself with those types of people to feel positive about the choices I was making in my lifestyle to do certain things less and certain things more and to create a more supportive network of people. So this involved reaching out to old friends that I'd maybe lost touch with, that I thought, yeah, I need them back in my life. It also meant making new connections with like-minded people and having a bit of courage to, to do that and make new friends. Because it's so important who we spend our time with. Who we spend our time with really impacts how we feel about ourselves and being around people that, really get you and really support you is super important. So that was another change that I made. And none of this stuff is easy. It's really hard to look at who you spend time with or look at your own habits and behaviors and think, yeah, actually, I need to make a change. Something else I'd noticed and something else I'd heard about in all these podcasts and these books I was looking at and reading was my relationship with technology. I stopped obsessing over my phone. I stopped checking it all the time, which is dead hard. But I stopped being available all the time to work, to friends, to family. And I really got strict with the time I'd spend on my phone. I'd make sure I turn notifications off and had set times that I would go onto my phone. I wanted my phone to be a place where I could connect with loved ones when I chose to, to learn stuff when I chose to. And that was the key difference. It was about me going on that device or using technology for positive gain rather than it taking away all my attention. At the time as well, I overhauled social media. I looked at who I was following and how I was spending my time on there. I wanted that time to be a time to connect with interesting people, to feel inspired, to learn and to feel good. So I unfollowed, I muted, I did what I could to make those spaces feel positive rather than feel a little bit uncomfortable or awful or going down that comparison rabbit hole. Now, I'm not here to have a go at social media. I absolutely love social media and I think it's such a good thing when it's used in the right way. And... These rules I set for myself five years ago, they're still in my life now. They're still what I try to stick to now. And that's the key word, try. I try to manage my relationship with social media and technology. So ultimately, it benefits me. And there are friends and people that I now work with that I've met on social media. But it's such a good platform to use if you use it right and that you feel like you are in control of it. It's just about refining it and managing the consumption that you might have with it. The final major change back then that I started that is still present in my life is practicing mindfulness. At first, I was using Headspace. I was taking 10 minutes out of my day each morning to just try and observe my thoughts and try to be present and try to just be there Often I would fall asleep, I would think about what I was having for breakfast, all these standard beginner, meditator kind of things were going on for me. And it was really hard at first. The standard question was, am I doing it right? When is this over? When will Andy from Headspace stop talking? But with perseverance and consistency, it had such a profound impact especially speaking now in hindsight of doing this over the last four years or so, it really impacted my mood and really impacted how I responded to certain things going on. I was less reactive in the moment and I'd created this, this pause between a stimulus, what was happening in my environment to my reaction. It was helping me to feel calmer. When I was working or freelancing, it was helping me to be more focused with what I was doing and be more present in conversations and also be more present with myself. And it really helped me to be kinder to myself. So mindfulness was such a beautiful thing that I found back then that at first I was like, what is this going to work? And now four years later, This is the kind of stuff I'm still doing. It's still an important ritual in my life. And I now bring mindfulness into every day. So I don't always sit down to meditate in the morning. But what I do do is bring that mindfulness into my everyday. So I will try to focus and be fully there in a conversation or fully there in a task that I'm doing. And the reason why I'm sharing what I started doing four years ago is to kind of be honest about change. These things I started back then are still things that I do every day now. And they have had such a profound effect on my overall well-being. Every single day I journal, I move my body I meditate and practice that mindfulness. I get outside to enjoy nature and just to connect with the world, even if it's for 10 minutes. And I don't go on my phone or my emails until I've had time with myself in the morning to connect to myself and put my attention where I want it to go. Change doesn't happen overnight. And this is the point, really. I've been doing these practices for a number of years and sometimes they're really, really hard to do and sometimes I don't do them and that's okay. I think the key message here is that just start, just start by trying a couple of these things and see how they make you feel. So where in this story did I start to train to become a coach? How did I get from having those realizations, being on that journey to actually helping other people? Well, while I was doing all this work, I was consuming a lot of great material, like I said, and I discovered coaching along the way. I went to a a day from a course and I decided, you know what? I've always had this natural urge to help people. And I'd basically coached myself and helped myself and asked myself really important questions. And I'd gained so much clarity that I was able to make better choices and therefore make some really positive changes in my life. And essentially, that is what I now do as a coach. So at the time when I found coaching could be a job that I could do, that I could help other people, I had to dive into it. And my training in coaching and neuro-linguistic programming really ignited that passion to help people. It also reignited my love for language. Because a lot of NLP is based on how we communicate with ourselves and other people and the words that we use and how they impact the way we think, the way we feel and the way we live every single day. NLP really taught me that we can become what we think. We can live by the stories that we tell ourselves. So let's make that story a supportive, empowering one rather than one that drags us down. Let's think about the language we use in our life to other people and to ourselves and how we talk to ourselves. And let's remember, as weird as it sounds, we can control our story. We can change our story so that it empowers us, it teaches us, and it helps us to see how brave we were in the past. NLP and coaching has helped me to see the good in my own story, to really look at it, to really own it, and to be proud of it. And I now run my own coaching business, helping others to do what I did, figuring out what makes them happy, understanding themselves more, making any positive changes, big or small, that they want to make to their story so they can feel happier, calmer, and just more in control of their own lives and their own minds. So wow, (laughs) saying all that out loud It's been a real journey over the last four years or so. And people now say, you know, Emily, you're so unapologetically yourself. And I'd really agree with that. It's really nice to hear that, that people can see that I'm just myself. I now take care of myself because I know that when I'm in a good place, I can be there for other people. I can be there for my friends, for my family, and my partner too. And I'm really grateful that, Having gone through quite big turbulent changes in the last four or five years, I'm in such a good place now with the people I love. And most importantly, I've got a really good relationship with myself. I also now do work that matters to me through my coaching and my production work, work that aligns with my values and has a positive impact on people in some way. And life is tough and challenges are thrown at you and they're still thrown at me. And I still feel overwhelmed. I still get stressed. I still get anxious, still get low. I'm a human, but I know that I've got the tools to help myself. I know that I am able to respond to change when it comes. And underlying all of this, I know that I believe in myself to meet that change with courage and with confidence Change is still a constant in my life, in everyone's life. Just because I've made changes and gone through changes doesn't mean change isn't to come again. We all know that changes is a constant after the, the year that we've had. And maybe after the year that's to come, we've had so many changes to deal with. And I still have to deal with the unknown as well. It's just I've got a toolkit now to rely on. And I'm about to embark on even more change with work and with life. So I'll make sure that I share my experiences with you along the way. I'll try and share the ups and the downs, and I'll try to keep being honest with you about the next chapter of my story. So, what have I learned from what's happened to me that can help you? Well, here are a few lessons Being human is hard, it's okay to fail. It's okay to be imperfect, to mess up, to be scared. That's how we learn. Second lesson, talking openly and honestly with trusted friends is really important. I often used to say, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. When actually deep down, maybe I wasn't. So talking openly and honestly with trusted friends is really important. Lesson number three, you can't change how you feel if you don't know how you feel. So this comes down to that awareness, asking yourself, how am I feeling today? And whatever the answer is, is fine. It's all about checking in. It's okay to not be okay. But what's vitally important is to know how you feel, to name it and to acknowledge it and to give yourself what you need. You might be feeling great. So give yourself something that will hopefully help you to continue feeling that way. And you might not be feeling so great some days, so make sure that you know how you feel so you can help yourself to feel better or tend to those needs. Another lesson from my story, journaling is a way you can talk to yourself. You can counsel yourself. You can spot what's going on, unpleasant things maybe, pleasant things in your life. And you can feel better in the process of just writing and you can figure a lot of stuff out journaling is such a big topic and there's many templates and ways in which you can do this but just write just get it out of your mind onto paper and just work through some stuff and counsel yourself i still revisit old journals and diaries and sometimes you know you might cringe by looking back at what you used to write down but it's such a helpful exercise to meet that old you with kindness and to see how far you've come and also to see what's still there in your life that's that's good and that's helping you. Another lesson from my story is mindfulness will eventually have an impact. You'll learn to respond rather than react. And mindfulness is a practice. It's hard and that is why it is a practice. But I promise it will eventually have an impact. Keep going and keep trying. Another lesson, books can change your life. That book, The Happiness Project, sent me on a new direction. It landed in my lap at a time when I needed it to. It was the start of me defining what happiness even meant But what it meant to me. Another lesson it really matters who you spend your time with and what you consume. Another one for you surround yourself with love, support, and fun. Another lesson it really matters what you say to yourself. Be kind, be supportive, be encouraging. And the biggest lesson from my story is be yourself. Being yourself is your superpower. Yes, it's hard, it's vulnerable to really be yourself. But when you believe in yourself and you feel in line with what you're doing and how you're feeling, that is such an amazing feeling. Be unapologetically you. You've got to be that so you can be there for yourself and that you can show up for other people as well. So now it's time for me to share something with you called my first aid kit. This is something I'm going to get each guest to do when they come and speak to me on the show. But today it's my turn. So the first aid kit is going to be made up of three things, one song, one book, and one podcast, each instrumental to me throughout my journey of change. And I'll be asking each guest to bring this along with them as well. But first, it's my turn. So... Let's go with the song first. So first up, the song. At the time when I was going through all these changes, I was thinking a lot. And when I think a lot, I go for quite long runs. And obviously when you're running, it's great to have tunes in your ears that help you through that process and that thinking time for me. And the song at the time was Tiny Cities by Flume featuring Beck, a song I absolutely love And I loved it back then because it was summarizing the feeling of that song summarized how I felt at the time. It's a mix of being hopeful while also being a little bit sad and being quite reflective. And sometimes you can't express how you feel in words, even though I was writing loads of stuff down. Sometimes you just need a song to feel your feelings. And this song helped me to do exactly that. And I'd get it in my headphones and I'd just run it out and listen to this running through my ears. And it was such a cathartic experience. My second item in the first aid kit is a book. And after talking about it so much in today's episode, I've got to pick The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin because it was my catalyst for change to make all of those changes that I made. And it will always have a little special place in my heart. There have been so many books since that have kind of inspired me and changed my thinking, but that one will always be really important. And the third and final item in my first aid kit is a podcast. Again, now there are so many to choose from. But at the time I was making all these changes, I was listening to a podcast that you've probably heard of called The Tim Ferriss Show. Now, Tim Ferriss, for those of you who don't know, he's an author and an investor of tech companies mostly. And he interviews all sorts of people who are top of their game, talking about habits and routines and rituals they do to be a quote, quote, success in their own life. Anyway, the episode that was particularly instrumental for me was the one he did with Debbie Millman. Now, she's an amazing writer and designer and podcaster as well. But in that podcast, she talked to Tim about something she did called the Fearless Future Essay. And after listening to that episode, I sat down and I wrote down my own essay, answering the question, what do you want if you aren't scared and this helped me to make a lot of decisions and to really find the courage to take action so there you go my first aid kit I'll link to all three items in the show notes and over time you're going to have so many resources and tunes to call upon from the guests that I speak to along the way (music) hope that by sharing my story of change has helped you in some way i'm not here to tell you what you need to go away and do or change i'm just here to tell you my story in the hope that it inspires you in the hope that it motivates you to think about what's happening in your own life maybe to think about what's happening in your own mind and think how you can take better care of yourself perhaps is there something from my story that you can take into your own life will you start journaling just writing down every morning what's going on in your mind and what you're grateful for and what you can do that day to feel good will you start being kinder to yourself whatever that looks like to you will you start your own happiness project maybe whatever it is try and just pick one thing and maybe it's just listening to this story has helped you to recognize how far you've come over the last four or five years. Just check in with how you're feeling now compared to the start. And let me know what you choose to do. Reach out to me on Instagram at Matter of Mind Coaching. I would love to carry on the conversation over there. I know times are tough right now, so I hope this podcast can be a little place that you can come to to feel inspired and to feel motivated. I'll be having conversations with a whole range of people, and it's my hope that by you listening to those conversations, you will figure out the small changes that you would like to make in your own lives, and maybe their stories will inspire you just to take those actions and just to follow that gut feeling that you might have. So you can make those changes in your life to feel happier and to feel healthier. And I'll leave you with this reminder about change. Even though change is scary, it's the only constant in our lives. And without change, we can't grow. We can't be the people we want to be. And we can't do the things we want to do. So whatever that gut feeling is that you have about a change you want to make, listen to that gut feeling And do one small thing just to start on your journey of change. And if you got this far, thanks for listening. Make sure to look at the show notes for links to the books, the resources I've mentioned in this episode. And remember to hit subscribe, rate and review this episode too. It will really help to reach more people that way. Join me next time for another insightful conversation with someone else this time. And remember to take care of your mind, check in on each other and just start that thing until next time.